Hello, and welcome to Live Vedanta, a podcast on simple living and high thinking. We would be remiss if we didn't take a minute to express our gratitude. Our gratitude to Vivekji, whose insights on accessing our highest potential feel both meaningful and practical. We're also grateful for the team behind the show. A big, big shout out goes to Nina Bhattacharya, Rita Patel, Deepal Shanmugam, and Akshaya Radhakrishnan. They're the folks who you hear week to week, but also the people who craft the descriptions about each episode and even develop the art associated with each podcast episode that you might see. We are so grateful to their efforts. And finally, our gratitude goes to you. Without you, this really wouldn't be a show. We thank you for your enthusiasm, your engagement, and the ways you continue to be part of this community. Okay, this week's podcast. What are some practices we can follow to direct our mind to resolving and accepting challenges that we're faced with? This is a big, big question, so let's tune in to find out what Vivekji has to share. Aryom and greetings from Niagara Falls. Obviously, in the present circumstances. When people ask me what my favorite scripture to study and teach is, my instinct is Ramayana. However, I have to think because I am equally fond of Srimad Bhagavatam. I'm going to share a narration with you from Srimad Bhagavatam right now. Rishi Kashyapa has two wives. Their names are Aditi and Diti. Rishi Kashyapa was one who was ever engaged in sadhana, very much like all of you. And Diti, she wavered. She was into sadhana, out of sadhana, and one day she was feeling very lusty overcome by her lust. And she approached her husband, Rishikashapa, who was engaged in his sadhana and said, you're my husband and we should enjoy. And he said, right now I'm engaged in sadhana. There's a right time for us to enjoy and now is not the right time. And she became emotional and she insisted that they experience what a wife and husband should. And finally, he succumbed to her lust. Soon, she was pregnant. And from her womb, she felt a lot of pain. From her, there was a darkness that was radiating. And she asked Rishikashpa, what's happening? And he said, being born inside of you, are two notorious asuras. And she asked why. And he shared, you broke sadhana. You broke my sadhana, you broke your sadhana. You gave in to a vice. And as you think, so you develop. As you think, so you cultivate. And she was deeply moved by his response. He said this in an objective, very fair way. He would also be the father. 
of those notorious asuras. And she felt bad. She repented. She asked for forgiveness. She asked, how do I change? And he shared with her, engage in sadhana. Never break from that sadhana. And she committed to that. And in doing so, Rishi Kashipa also told her, your two sons will be notorious asuras, but your grandson will be one of the greatest devotees ever in the history of humanity. Those notorious asuras are Hiranyakashipu and Hiranyaksha, and the grandson is Bhakta Pralada. Most of you know this. You teach Bal Bhagavatam, you've watched Krishna serials. But now let's think about this some more. Kashapa, if you reverse those letters, means Pasheka. Someone who can see. We call them a seer. Aditi is the one who brings together. Diti is the one who breaks. Rishi Kashapa knew exactly what was going to happen. And this is why he was objective, he was quiet. Diti, she broke her sadhana, but she came back and in that repentance, she was all right with giving birth to these notorious asuras because also attributed to her would be Bhakta Pralad. Now making this more clear. Srimad Bhagavatam is an icon of Vedanta. People think this is only devotion, but filled in this devotion is Vedanta. It's deep thinking. And what Vedanta does is reconcile every experience in the scripture and in our lives too. Diti didn't know. Rishi Kashipa is her Vedanta. She came to know. She was fine. For us too, we're going to go through endless challenges. Think of the challenge we're all going through right now. And Vedanta is that knowledge that will reconcile why this is happening. What am I supposed to learn from what is happening? How am I supposed to grow? And we are approaching Vedanta in an even more tactile sense through our Applied Gita course. This month, we are focusing on resolution, resolving. Conflict resolution outside, conflict resolution inside. And the last verse we studied, the farther away you are from the source, that is the self, the more conflict there is. In the language of the scripture, this is tamas. The farther away you are is tamas. And when someone is away from the source, they're away from the oneness with others, with themselves. It requires time and effort for that resolution to come through. That was the example of the fetus in the womb. If one is rajasic, they're aggressive, they're closer to the source. They feel a greater oneness with those around them, with themselves. It requires effort for resolution. The example of the dust in the mirror. 
and those who are closest to the source, to the self, they feel so much of a oneness. And it's easy for us to appreciate this with an infant. If an infant kicks you, if an infant pulls your beard, if an infant spits on you, you don't retaliate. You feel that oneness with that infant. They're one with you whether they're your own infant or not. It's easier if they're your own infant. And uh, that resolution becomes so natural. The example of the smoke in the fire, it doesn't require time or effort. Your effort has created the m momentum for that resolution to happen. So this is what we approached. And I shared some more clear thoughts because everything else was unclear. So I did share some more clear thoughts that when focusing on conflict resolution, the relationship is more important than that which is right. Pick and choose your battles. If you lose a battle, it's okay as long as you have the war in mind. This is especially relevant with family members, spouses in terms of two adults who are interacting with each other. And if you were part of the Last Happiness series, <coughs> number three, I had shared that in a corporate setting, the people that are most talked to in an open, in a productive way, are those who are charismatic. Not those who are higher in the hierarchy, not those who are more powerful, but those who are more charismatic. And what is a gauge of someone who's charismatic? Is they care about the relationship. They don't care about the promotion. They don't care about power. So as you think about resolution, focus on the relationship. We continue. We've studied lots of verses from Srimad Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam also. And a scripture shares every facet on how to be peaceful. Whether it comes to waking up in the morning or parenting, what to eat, how to think. How come we can't follow this? And what we understood, Prince Arjuna asks the Bhagavan Krishna, and Bhagavan responds saying, desires. Our desires, our kama is stopping us from being peaceful. If a desire is here, it's foundational. The expression of desire is highlighted in this shloka. We are on... Chapter 6, verse 35. Please repeat after me. Shri Bhagavan Uvacha, Shri Bhagavan Uvacha, Asam Shayam Mahabaho, Asam Shayam Mahabaho, Mano Durnigraham Chalam, Mano Durnigraham Chalam, Abhyasena tu kaunteya. Abhyasena tu kaunteya. Veiragena cha grihyate. Veiragena cha grihyate. Bhagavan says, and most of the verses we've studied are from Bhagavan. 
Bhagavan here is responding to Prince Arjuna's question. And Prince Arjuna essentially is saying, to give you the context, practicing contemplation is hard. Chapter 6 is about dhyana. Bhagavan has finished teaching how to contemplate, and he's sharing this is hard. Now, Bhagavan has done this with, I think, 24 shlokas. For those in our meditation and life course, we're approaching 60 or 70 classes. <laughs> it's hard. But he calls Prince Arjuna here. So Asamshaya means, you're right. Undoubtedly, practicing contemplation is hard. Practicing resolution is hard. But you are Mahabaho. Show me what Mahabaho means. That's right. You know where people talk about their guns. The origin of that is <laughs> Mahabaho. <laughs> now, I want to open up this word. Prince Arjuna is not the strongest. Bhima would be stronger, no? How come he's called Mahabaho? This word Maha encompasses five types of Vira. Try to remember this. This is very important. It gives you a ladder on how you can be Mahabaho, the real Mahabaho, not just Jim Mahabaho. So I'll go from the bottom up, okay? The most ordinary type of Vira is known as Rana Vira. To be great when it comes to battle. To be great when it comes to fighting. We know lots of people like that. It could be a hockey player. It could be Mike Tyson. Whatever it may be. Okay. That's very ordinary. Now we start to build on the extraordinary. The next is known as Vidya Vira. To be knowledgeable. And I think that's most of you. Not all of you, because I don't know all of you, but most of you are Vidya Vira. I ask you a question, you know when I taught this. You know what scripture this comes from. So it's not brawn, it's brain. More refined than this is known as Dharma Vira. How to use your brains. It's not about Jnana, it's about Vijnana. Being responsible. Not complaining, not criticizing, not crying unnecessarily. That's known as Dharma Vira. More refined than this is Dana Vira. Dharma Vira is where I focus on my responsibilities. Dana Vira is where I help others with their responsibilities. Classic example you're on a plane, oxygen mask falls down. You put it on yourself, then you help someone else. Dana Vida. And the defining quality of someone who's Mahabaho, Mahavida, is anyone know? Share with me in the chat room because I've taught this in most of your cities. <laughs> I spent two years in our virtual Nyani Agnes teaching this too. I just called you Vidya Vira, no? <laughs> it is Daya Vira. Number five is Daya Vira. As you're helping someone be responsible, if they're still irresponsible, 
instead of belittling them for it, instead of making them feel small, you empathize with them. You're compassionate with them. So here he's telling, Bhagavan Krishna is telling Prince Arjuna, this is hard, but you have the potential to be maha. Vidya, dharma, dana, daya. So live up to your potential. He shares more. Mano dur nigraham chalam. Show me your mana. It is here, but it's more here, isn't it? Your head tends to be more objective. This is where the intellect is. The heart tends to be more subjective, which we refer to as the mind. Nigraha means to control. Dur nigraha means is uncontrollable. The mind is uncontrollable. How many of you agree? We didn't hear you. What did you say? Which is, everyone else has their hands up. We'll put our hands up too. <laughs> and when the mind is uncontrollable, chala. There it goes. Have you ever seen parents with a leash on their child? I'm not saying a dog leash. I'm saying a child leash. Yes? If one can't control their child, then it's not like that child is just going to stay there. I know that firsthand. <laughs> I often share with Sheila, for Vyasa's safety, we should use a child leash. But she thinks it's, it's insulting to him and us. But I, I'm more objective. <laughs> so what is implied here is when the mind is not directed, the literal meaning means controlled, but you know you can't control the mind. What you can do is direct the mind. When the mind is not directed, inevitably, what will the mind experience? It will be distracted. How many of you would define yourself as a distracted person? Now, many will say, that's how my brain is. That's how my personality is. And to a degree, sure. But I feel the most significant and universal reason for someone to be distracted is that they're not directed. Purpose pulls performance, yes. If you have purpose, you will perform. If you don't have purpose, you will not perform. A distracted mind will find ways not to practice, will find ways not to engage in resolution instead of finding ways to practice, to resolve. That's a, a fine test of knowing whether you're distracted or not. Do you find reasons not to follow dharma? Or do you find reasons to follow dharma? Do you find reasons not to exercise? That's durnigraha. That's chala. But if you find reasons to wake up, to exercise, to eat well, then that's nigraha. You're directed, you are not distracted. More specifically to resolution, what Swami Tejumayananda shared with us, so many arguments could be slowed or stopped if we simply said, what two words or three words? Tell me what three words we should say more often.
I am sorry. I'm sorry. But you'll only say that if you're directed. If you value that relationship, you'll say I'm sorry. But if that relationship is not valued, I'm finding reasons not to say I'm sorry, correct? Think about your own relationships. And more deep than saying I'm sorry is to be accepting. If you're accepting, there's no conflict. You don't have to say I'm sorry. So let I'm sorry not be an escape. Go deeper than that. To be accepting that if my mind is like this, your mind is going to be like this too. No. Then you become accepting. There's no need for that conflict. How come we can't follow our resolutions? How come I hold grudges against you? The deeper reason is desire. The less deep reason or the expression of that is thoughts. Desires in the intellect, thoughts in the mind. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Give up. That's Bhagavan's answer. <laughs> Shloka over. <laughs> in the next quarter, Abhyasena tu kaunteya. Now he refers to him as the son of Mother Kunti. And he's calling him this because think about all of the hardships Mother Kunti has gone through. You know, right before this fight, she finds out that Karna is her eldest son. But she endures. And there's so many other details that I'll share with you another time. He changes how he refers to Prince Arjuna to inspire different emotions, different types of thinking. And here he's saying, Abhyasa. How do you quiet in the mind? How do you still the intellect? Through? What does Abhyasa mean? Practice. The way to practice is to try. If you've never tried contemplation, you will always find it hard. If you've never tried saying, I'm sorry, you will always find this hard. If you've never tried not using the snooze button, you will always find waking up hard. Yes, if you've never tried using the snooze button, you'll find waking up easy. <laughs> but if you, you know, practice here literally just means try. That's what I'm sharing. If you <coughs> read Acharya Shankara's commentary, and I caution you in reading it, <laughs> it may be too intense. You know, like when you watch certain movies and they say these scenes may be disturbing. <laughs> Acharya Shankara's insight into Abhyasas, you try but you never give up. In other words, your trying should lead you to the end. <laughs> he says that in one line. <laughs> try, you'll reach the end. And he's right, but there's so much of difficulty on the way but just try okay um, I'll give you a reference some years ago I spoke at Carnegie Mellon and it was uh, a New Year's talk a new year a new you and at that time I had given all of the college students university students a framework on <coughs> a resolution your resolution should be ice I-C-E. Obviously, that's an acronym. What do you think I stands for? 
Your resolution should be inspiring. Good. Checked. See? Your resolution should be... Clear is a good answer, and that's what I did say, but I'm refining it now. It should be connected. It should be connected to you. I may have this inspiring aspiration, but if it's not connected to me, I'm never going to feel for it. Yes? And E? What's E? Evolving is also a good answer. Examinable. You should be able to examine whether you're reaching your aspiration, if it changes. That young boy Dhruva went to the jungle to become the king. But once he started remembering or thinking about Bhagavan, he didn't care to be the king. He simply wanted to be with Bhagavan. See how his aspiration changed. Okay. Now I'm going to make this even more relatable. Today's March 19th. Next week, a whole lot of you will receive an email about being part of our Running From The Mind community. Next week is six months until the Cleveland Half Marathon. And we've grown from 10 to 20 to 30 runners. This year, I hope, for 40. So today I was thinking, and today's the first day of spring, what is my aspiration for the Cleveland Half Marathon? As of today, I weigh 179 pounds. And I hope to lose two pounds a month to come down to 167 by the time of the race. Last year, I ran in an hour, 57 and 30 seconds. This year, I want to complete the race in an hour, 55 minutes. And the third, and this is more qualitative, for the last six months, I've been out of the house or outside zero days a week. <laughs> I would like to be outside of the house six days a week now. Now, is, are these <coughs> aspirations inspiring? Don't answer that. For me, it's in inspiring. <laughs> is it connected? It's definitely connected to me. If you weigh 130 pounds, what, you're gonna gain weight to get to 167. <laughs> And is it examinable? It is examinable. I can see that month by month, my speed, my weight, going outside. This is what it means to engage in practice. You try. You find reasons to try. You find reasons to reach the end. Now, one more secret, one more support is shared in the last quarter. Vairagena chagrihyate. To be able to hold the mind. Grihyate means hold, direct, control the mind. You should practice or invoke Vairagya. The way Swami Chinmayananda would share this is you have to attach to detach. You should never detach. You should attach to detach. You've heard that before? You've seen the movie On a Quest, he shares that. I'm going to share it in a different way from what Acharya Shankara shares. You should know what you want and what you don't want. If you know what you want, if that becomes more clear, what will also become clear is what you don't want. 
If I want to be healthier, I do not want to eat Vyasa's leftover food, even though it's way tastier and more delicious than the healthy food that I am given, that I eat, but I don't want that. Yes. When we start to appreciate the dosha, the faults, the weaknesses, the incompleteness that comes with the way we've been working with our mind thus far, by neglecting the mind, by comparing ourselves with others, etc. When I see this doesn't work, this helps me to let go of all of that. Know what you want. You will know what to not want, what to give up. If all of you, by the time we complete our course, were given the opportunity to be enlightened in this lifetime, but that meant, I'm only putting this in context. That meant you would no longer be able to be around your family and friends. Would you choose it? You have to know what you want to be able to let go of what you don't want. And here, it's not about not wanting our family and friends. It's about wanting independent joy. And what I'm really showing all of you is that I don't think we want moksha. I don't think we want independent joy. We want more joy, but not independent joy. That's not vairagya. Vairagya means independence. Okay? I'm not using the word dispassion. I'm not using the word renunciation. I'm simply sharing independence. Let's chant together. Shri Bhagavan Uvacha Asam Shayam Mahabaho Mano Durnigraham Chalam Abhyasena Tukaunteya Vairagena Chagrihyate If you enjoyed what you heard or want to learn more, share this episode with a friend or find us online at facebook.com slash cmniagara. For those on the journey of self-development, Chinmaya Mission Niagara provides a community forum for seekers to listen, reflect, and contemplate. This podcast is produced by the Young Adults of Chinmaya Mission, an international nonprofit working to transform individuals through the knowledge of Vedanta. Until next time, inspire, love, be.